The psalmist said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We're here to inquire of the Lord, to look to the word of God at this time. I have a direction on my heart. I sense a direction on my heart to give assurance to our faith, our salvation experience. Perhaps you're here today and you are well assured of your salvation in Christ, but perhaps there's some here today that need this word. You need this word to settle your faith and establish your heart before the Lord. The assurance of our faith before God, the assurance of our salvation experience. Years ago, we used to sing a hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, the assurance of our faith. We know ourselves, our misgivings, our uncertainties, our fears, our doubts, our sin consciousness, our self-consciousness, our world consciousness. And it's very important that we settle our faith before the Lord. Settle our faith, assure our faith before the Lord. And so this word is given to you today, I trust by the will of the Holy Spirit. First John 3, 1 to 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. What manner of love? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. This is a love that's divine, a love that's beyond this world. This is the love of God, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in Christ purifies himself just as Christ is pure. What manner of the love of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. 1 John 3, 19 to 20. And we shall set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and knows everything. He knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows, the Bible says, our uprising and our sitting down. He knows the paths before us. We shall set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. Because sometimes our hearts condemn us. We don't feel as spiritual as we should. Maybe we're not walking in the full presence of the Lord for a, a day or a time or a situation. Sometimes our hearts condemn us. But the Lord, the Bible says, we should assure our hearts before him, set our hearts at rest in his presence. We belong to him. We're his people. God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. I think we feel like David in 2 Samuel 7, 18 to 21, 
when the Lord came. David couldn't believe his good fortune when God came to him with promises and blessing because David knew himself. He felt his limitation. He felt his humanness. He felt this fallen world, the condition that we live in, the warfare of our life, the spiritual warfare, the battle, flesh against spirit, saint against the world. David said, Lord, you know me. But listen to his words. David came with such glorious promises, the Lord did. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house? What is my family that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house, of his family, of his descendants for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? You know what he's saying? God, is this how you treat people? Is this how you treat people? This isn't the way man treats people. Lord, you're on a far higher level in your love and in your kindness and in your mercy. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. Yes, you do. You know your servant. You know what works in us. You know our doubts and fears. You know our struggles at times. You know our insensitivity at times. You know the battle. You know the thoughts that are in our hearts and in our minds. You, Lord, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. How many are you glad you belong to the Lord this morning? What manner of love. When our hearts condemn us, let us assure our hearts in his presence. God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. And I want to settle our faith this morning, settle our hearts in the love of God. Exodus chapter 12, the great account where God went to redeem a people out of Egypt, out of the world. God went to set a people free, redeem them by the blood of the Lamb, rescue them, deliver them out from under the hand of the enemy, make them his own people. Deliverance came by one means, and that was the blood of the Lamb. God takes his people out of the world. God has taken us out of the world by only one means and none other, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. In Exodus 12, a lamb's blood was shed to deliver the people. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7. The Lord said, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. Feed on the lamb. Its head with its legs and its inward parts, entrails, you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. 
and thus shall you eat it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. Get out of sin as quickly as you can. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, in the world, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, demonic powers, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, literally to spread the wings. God says, when I see the blood, where I see the blood, I will protect, I will spread my wings over that house and over that family. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The gospel message went out to one and all. Judgment is coming. The judgments of God upon sin and a sinful world, upon the sinner. And there's only one escape. You must have the blood applied to your houses. You must be under the covering of the blood of God. The firstborn of Egypt will die, but where the blood is applied, the firstborn of Israel will live. We're either people of the world or we're Israel, the people of God. God says the firstborn of Egypt will die. The firstborn, the firstborn represents the humanity. Firstborn of the world, firstborn of God. Firstborn of Egypt will die. In Adam, the Bible says, all die. In Christ, the firstborn of God, all will be made alive. Firstborn sons represented them all. In Adam, all die. In Christ, shall all be made alive. Only where the blood was applied would the people live. Would they be spared from the judgments of God? Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house. Stay in the house of the Lord. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer the death angel, the angel of judgment to come into your houses to strike you. Apply the blood. Apply the blood to your houses, God said, and you'll be spared in the day of the judgments of God against sin. You will live. You will have life. You will have the presence of the lamb. You will have the food of lamb on, on, on your table. You'll be blessed of the living God. His grace and mercy will be upon your life. Now let's imagine this morning two Israelite homes. Two Israelite homes. The father in each home has killed the Passover lamb, taken the blood, responded in obedience to the gospel of God, 
He's taken that hyssop branch, that leafy paintbrush, and he's put the blood on the two side posts and on the lintel, the header over the door, a triune application, the blood of God, the saving power of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on the door of the house, over that family. And then he has gathered his family inside the house, under the blood, protected. Two Israelite homes. Imagine it. In one home is a son resting in the promise of God, trusting in the salvation of God, rejoicing in the goodness of God, an assurance of salvation. In the other home is a nervous son, a little tenuous about the stroke of midnight, a little concerned, a little unsure. A resting son and an uneasy son. A settled son and a nervous son. Question today, which son was most protected that night? And the answer is, they were equally protected. The settled son and the nervous son. They were both equally protected because the deliverance that night wasn't in their feelings, it was in their obedience to the blood of the Lamb and to the power of God. Our protection is in the blood of Christ, and our feelings may come and go. Temptations may come and go. Trials may come and go. Circumstances may come and go. Sometimes we might be tossed about by situations of life, by emotions. But the Bible says that if we have put our faith in the blood of Christ, that we belong to God. We are his. Our protection is in the blood of the Lamb. If you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Our salvation is in the blood of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For indeed, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. We assure our hearts, not in ourselves, but in our obedience to the Word of God in the blood that's been applied, the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives and to our homes. A fire tore through a farmyard one day and everything was burned down. Only charred remains left and as the farmer walked through that yard after the devastation as it had occurred, he, he saw a clump of charred debris and he went over and kicked it with his foot and a brood of little chicks ran out. The mother hen had taken the fire and the chicks ran free. And the glorious news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has taken our fire. He's taken the judgments of God against sin and because of it, we go free. Because of it, we run free. Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. He's taken our fire. We are saved. We are set free. We are delivered, not because of anything we have done, but because of everything he has done. He shed his life. He gave his life. 
And now under the shelter of his wings, we find our protection. Where I see the blood, I will spread the wings over you, and you'll be safe from the judgments of God. You'll be protected. You'll be the people of the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, the gospel preachers, the evangelists, like you and me. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He said, I am the Passover lamb. I'm the one who protects. Come under the shelter of my wings and you will live because of my blood and because of my power. This is my gift of, my, of salvation and my gift of grace. When I was young in my early teens, I need assurance of my faith. I grew up in a Christian home, was raised in the house of God. I accepted the Lord on my mother's knee at age three or four. I was baptized in water. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit at age 10, speaking in other tongues. But when I came out of my childhood years into my early teens, 12, 13, 14, all of a sudden, I became very aware of sinfulness, of temptation, of worldliness, of ungodliness. And I had to settle my faith. I had to assure myself in my salvation because all of a sudden there were a lot of thoughts and emotions and warfare playing on my heart. And I found myself responding to a number of altar calls at church, at camp, going to dedicate and rededicate and make sure before the Lord that I was his. Bride of Christ, there are two people within your womb. Rebecca, there are two sons in your womb, two children in your womb. Isaac, the sacrificed son of Abraham, Jesus Christ, you've got a bride. Her name's Rebecca. She has two children in her womb. One is called Esau, the other is called Jacob. One is the man of the flesh, the other is the man of the spirit. Rebecca said, why this struggle within myself? Why this warfare in my womb on the inside of me? The Lord said, it's because there are two sons in you, two natures in you. One is the flesh nature, the other is the spiritual nature. It says the stronger shall rule. The stronger shall rule. And the elder shall serve the younger. The older nature will serve the younger. The younger will be stronger and rule. Esau, firstborn. Jacob, secondborn. In this world, we're born, but we need to be born again. There's a birth called Esau. There's a birth, second birth called Jacob, where the Lord brings forth his strength and his power in our life, and we overcome and we win the warfare against the flesh. The younger, the older shall serve the younger. That first nature, you see, it's the older one. In Adam, our life in Adam is the older nature in us. 
But God said the younger, the born-again life, the new life, the Jacob spirit is going to rule over the older one. Even though the Jacob spirit is younger, you're born again later than when you're born, yet there will be power in that Jacob nature, in that spiritual nature, to defeat the forces of flesh, to overcome sin, to overcome Satan, and live in the power of God. Well, I had my misgivings and doubts those early teenage years, saved, personal confession of Christ, saved, water baptized, filled with the Spirit, and things were going along okay, but then all of a sudden, as I said, I became very aware of the world and of temptation and of spiritual warfare and what I would choose to do to live for God or come alongside the world. And I remember one particular day I shared this story a few years ago, I think only once in this congregation. And I was going to leave it out today, but I felt quickened to share it today. Seven days without God. Seven days in my life where I didn't serve the Lord, and they were the worst days of my life. I was 15 years of age, and... I don't even know the particular situation, but I can't say something frustrated me. It was just a quick annoyance in a moment, and all of a sudden a swear word blurted out of my mouth. I never swore, didn't want to swear, had no intentions of swearing then or thereafter. Maybe it's being around all the kids at school as a teenager and all the language going on, but this swear word shot out of my mouth, and... I was so upset at myself and discouraged. I said, I give up. I've been trying so hard to serve the Lord and obey him and keep his word and stay holy and pure. And here in this moment when I didn't even want to swear, a swear word came out, I, I obviously can't live a Christian life. And I made a decision that day that for the next seven days, I would not pray, read my Bible, call on the name of the Lord, talk to God, seven days. Now I was accustomed every night on my bed after the day was over to pray and talk to the Lord and ask him to cleanse my heart, forgive me if there was any transgression on my part that day to help me, to minister to me, to bless my life. Every night I prayed as I lay on my bed that first night was tough. Wow. Because I was assured that I had just become apostate. I had turned my back on the Lord and denied the Lord. That if I would die in those next seven days or Jesus Christ would return, I was convinced that I would go to hell. Well, I finally fell asleep. Night two, night three guilty conscience, threat of hellfire, fear of God. To tell you the truth, I could hardly wait till night seven. I lay on my bed and I poured out my heart to the Lord. I said, Lord, forgive me and help me. I never want to be apart from you ever again. And I haven't been.
struggle, trial of faith. As I reflected on those seven days without God a few years later, it came to my conscious spirit that fairly certainly the Lord had me covered during those seven days. <laughs> but it was a trial of faith. It was a trial of faith. And God reassured my heart, and I knew I belonged to him. I rededicated my life in that moment. If you're here today and you need assurance of faith, the Holy Spirit is here to minister to you, in spite of your struggle, in spite of your temptation, in spite of things you face. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be the children of God. And we that have a hope in Christ will continue to purify ourselves even as he is pure. A new Christian needs assurance in Christ. A young Christian needs assurance scriptures, just like I did at that age. I needed to settle my heart in who I was before the Lord and how much he loved me in his forgiveness, in his strength, in his power, in his blessing on my life. We know ourselves. We know our struggles. We know our fears. We know all about ourselves. We know ourselves very well. And sometimes we get upset at ourselves and we can't believe we misspoke. We can't believe we were unguarded in our speech again another day. We can't believe that we stumbled. Now nobody deliberately, no Christian gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find a place to trip over and stumble today and fall. It happens because we're not precise enough. We're not guarded enough. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes things get away on us into the day. Listen, we know ourselves, but we must also come to know our God. His faithfulness, his righteousness, his grace, his beauty, his assurance to us. John 1.12, here are some blessed assurance scriptures. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right the privilege, the power to become children of God. As many as received him. Have you received the Lord? Have you opened your heart up to Jesus Christ and said, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want your life in me. I want your cleansing from my sin. Have you received the Lord? Then listen to what he says. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. You received him, he said, I give you the privilege of being a son or daughter of mine. John 6, 37, Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I will by no means cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, have you come to Jesus? Have you responded to him? Prayed a sinner's prayer, come to the altar. Have you come to Jesus? Then listen to what he says. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall 
never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. These are some of the scriptures I memorized when I was a child, when I was a teenager, to assure myself in the faith. Maybe these scriptures are what you need this morning to settle your heart in the love of God, in the faith of Jesus Christ. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them, pluck them out of my Father's hand. What a glorious salvation we have in Christ our Lord. You know, a few weeks ago, a young man came to the altar at the end of the service to receive Christ. Maybe he's here this morning, I'm not sure. I'd say 30 years of age, a young man. Came to accept Christ and came with a couple family members and other friends were gathered there and I went over and began to pray with the group and one of the family members asked me, would you lead him in the sinner's prayer? I didn't know if he'd ever accepted the Lord. He, he hadn't. He told me later. And I said, would you, are you here to receive Christ? He said, yes. It was so quick. I said, would you pray a prayer after me of acceptance of the Lord? Yes. And he prayed a prayer of repentance and forgiveness, acceptance of Christ. It was so ready. It was so quick. He was so on it with me that I was a little taken aback. I was a little surprised. After the prayer and a couple other people were praying for him, I had my hands on him and I was praying that the regeneration power of God, the redemptive power of God would rest on this young man and that the seed of God would go into his spirit and that he would have a genuine conversion. And in some ways, I was looking for a bit of a sign on his face or his actions. And, and then I felt the Lord say something to me. I'd never thought of it before in my life. I prayed over many people for salvation, but I'd never thought of this before. Here I am concerned about this young man. And the Lord said to me in my spirit, a baby doesn't even know it's born. And you know it's true. A baby doesn't even know it's born, and a born-again baby doesn't even know it's born sometimes. And I was so comforted. Because when a baby's born, it begins to grow and develop, and the baby begins to find out what it is and who it is. And I said, this young man came to accept you. Those who come to you, you will by no means cast out. As many as receive you, he came to receive you. To them you give the right to become the sons and daughters of God. But you don't make a baby grow. <laughs> a baby grows by itself. 
Why? Because the life of God and the breath of God and the image of God is in it. The seed of God is in it. That's why a baby grows in the natural and in the spiritual. You can't make a baby grow. Like with your own children. You don't, you know, they're growing up little babies. You don't go and tug on their skin and stretch them out, pull out their body. Got to grow now. You don't sneak into their bedroom at night and begin to pull on their arms and legs. And A baby grows because the life of God is in it. Because the image of God is in it. Worship team, come. And as people of God, all you can do for a baby in your home and all you can do for a baby Christian is feed them and love them and care for them. But you can't help them grow. You can't make them grow. They grow because the power of God has come into their life, the seed of God in the image of the Lord. Hallelujah. What a glorious faith we have. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A born again life because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the power of God, because of the mercy of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the seed of God. We receive Christ. We come to Christ. The power of God, the seed of God goes into us, and that baby will grow and find out what it is and who it is. It'll develop into the image and likeness of the Lord. We all love Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day that Jesus Christ returns. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident. Let the Holy Spirit put some confidence, some assurance in us, in us this morning of our faith, of our salvation, of who we are in spite of what we face in spite of struggles, in spite of spiritual warfare, we belong to Jesus Christ for time and eternity. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's stand together this morning. Let's reassure our hearts before him. Is there anyone here this morning? Say, I needed that word. I needed that word of assurance. Sometimes we get so sin conscious and world conscious. Let's become more salvation conscious. Let's become more Jesus conscious. He's for us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither principalities nor powers, warfare, testing, death, life itself. We belong to the Lord. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Let's offer ourselves to the Lord this morning. The altars are open. Anyone here that wants to receive Christ, if you don't know him, say, I want to accept Jesus. I want to come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins, for a new life, born-again life. Others perhaps that 
want to consecrate yourself in a fresh way before the Lord, but all of us in the next few minutes, let's pour out our heart to the Lord. Let's tell him how much we love him. Let's tell him we never want to be apart from him ever again. He's our life. He's our length of days. He's our health. He's our strength. He's everything to us.